0: My name is Dan Littman. I'm a professor of molecular immunology at the Skirbel Institute, which is part of New York University School of Medicine. And I'm also an investigator of the Howard Hughes Medical Institute. What I'm going to tell you about is how the uh, microbiota, as well as other uh, uh, components uh, of the environment, uh, influence the immune system at barrier surfaces. I'm going to focus mostly on the intestine, which is the area that's been best studied Uh, by many groups around the world during the last decade. Uh, And I'll tell you in my first part of the talk uh, about uh, the different kinds of cells that are involved, uh, as well as some of the signals that are involved, particularly uh, in the functions of lymphocytes, in lymphocytes that are both uh, within the innate immune system uh, and the adaptive immune system. The adaptive immune system consists of B lymphocytes and T lymphocytes uh, that differentiate uh, from common lymphoid progenitors. And these are adaptive because they have rearranging genes that give rise to uh, T cell cell receptors or antibody receptors on the surface of these cells so that each cell has a clonally restricted type of receptor. The innate cells, lymphoid cells also differentiate uh, from common lymphoid progenitor, but they have fixed receptors, uh, and they are basically hardwired uh, to respond to various cues uh, that are presented to them, be they cytokines, uh, or, uh, or be they uh, uh, some type of ta- danger antigens that are presented to them. Uh, so, I'll start out talking about the T cells. In the second part of this presentation, uh, I will tell you a little bit about some of the innate lymphoid cells. T lymphocytes develop in the thymus... Uh, from uh, common progenitors that... uh, that uh, uh, enter the thymus as so-called double-negative cells. And the double-negative cells are so-called because they don't express on their cell surface the molecules CD4 and CD8. As they undergo uh, development, uh, these cells can uh, take uh, one of two lineages. One lineage is to become gamma-delta T cells, meaning they have receptors uh, encoded by the gamma and delta genes or they become alpha-beta T cells. The alpha-beta T cells uh, uh, typically express uh, both CD4 and CD8 on the surface, as they become double-positive cells. And these cells uh, develop, if they have appropriately rearranged uh, receptor genes that give rise to the protein on the surface, a heterodimer of the alpha and beta chains. The vast majority of these cells undergo cell death, because for a cell to develop in the thymus, it needs to have a receptor that interacts with self-MHC proteins, major histocompatibility complex proteins, that have peptides presented uh, to the T cell receptor. So, since most of the cells do not have an appropriate receptor, they undergo cell death. A few of the cells also have receptors that interact with very high affinity with self-antigen, and these are potentially damaging cells that can lead to autoimmunity, and those are also eliminated through a process called negative selection. And then the few cells that make it through this gauntlet undergo positive selection, uh, and most of them become either CD4-positive cells... Uh, or CD8-positive cells. The CD4-positive cells are those that are selected on MHC class II molecules, and they are typically helper cells. Uh, And I'll talk a great deal about this for the rest of my presentation. The CD8-positive cells are selected on MHC class I, and they mostly become cytotoxic or killer T cells. There's another type of CD4 cell that's also selected on MHC class II. Typically, these are cells that have a higher affinity receptor, And these cells upregulate the transcription factor FOXP3 and become regulatory T cells. So, these are thymically-derived regulatory T cells, which are essential to maintain tolerance in the periphery and prevent autoimmune activation of the other types of cells uh, of the immune system. I'll tell you a little bit about another type of... uh, of regulatory T cell that arises in the periphery, the so-called induced Treg cells, uh, in... uh, a little bit in this presentation, and uh, a lot more in the second part uh, of my talk. Once these cells uh, develop in the thymus, they are exported into the periphery. And uh, most of the uh, classical alpha-beta T cells, the CD4 cells and the CD8 cells, go to secondary lymphoid organs where they are naive T cells awaiting to be activated uh, by, uh, uh, by immune signals uh, uh, potentially from uh, uh, invading microorganisms uh, and uh, following activation of innate immunity. Uh, but there are also cells, such as the gamma-delta T cells, Uh, as well as some subsets of alpha-beta T cells that go directly to peripheral organs, into skin, uh, the epithelium in the intestine, as well as the lamina propria in the intestine, uh, as well as the female reproductive tract or the lung. Uh, And... uh, These... uh, these are cells that uh, are uh, very much like innate lymphoid cells, in that they can often be activated very quickly uh, to uh, deliver the cytokine uh, load that they have. Uh, But uh, the more conventional cells from the lymphoid organs, once they are activated by antigen uh, in those organs, can migrate out to the very same sites uh, in the periphery, into these different... uh, uh, different tissues. And once these cells migrate to the different tissues, they can stay there and continue to replenish themselves. And these become tissue-resident memory T cells. And they consist not only of the T lymphocytes that I just mentioned, but also of innate lymphoid cells that I'll tell you more about, and also macrophages in particular. Uh, There are different populations of macrophages, some of which arise very early uh, during fetal development, that establish themselves into tissues and then reside in those tissues for the life of the organism, uh, continuing to replenish themselves. So, these are to be distinguished from the other types of cells that are circulating between the blood and the lymph and the secondary lymphoid organs. Um, And uh, uh, that is uh, a distinction that one should keep in mind. So, these are many different tissues that now harbor these tissue-resident cells. An example is shown here uh, from work of Daniel Musida, uh, in which he described... uh, uh, T lymphocytes that... Uh, uh, that uh, establish themselves in the epithelium of the intestine, in this case, the small intestine. And you can see the tracings of these cells as they... Uh, as they traffic uh, through the epithelium. They basically undergo a flossing-like movement in which they are uh, detecting uh, potentially harmful pathogens, uh, as well as any kind of damage to the tissue, and then make the cytokines uh, and growth factors to... Uh, to repair the tissues... Uh, or uh, uh, rid the organism of the uh, potential pathogen. Uh, I'm going to focus mostly on the CD4-positive T cells. Uh, and uh, uh, most of these cells are helper T cells, <clears throat> because they help the cytotoxic T cells to undergo their functions. They also help D-lymphocytes to make antibodies. Uh, but it's... It, about 30 years ago, Tim Mossman and Bob Kaufman uh, at the DNX Institute at that time, first described different properties of CD4-positive T cells in that they could make different types of cytokines. Uh, what they found was uh, one subset of cells uh, made the cytokine interferon gamma, uh, and they and others then found that these cells are critical for killing a variety of intracellular microbes. Uh, bacteria, viruses, protozoa, uh, uh, th- uh, are controlled by these T helper 1 cells. Uh, these cells express the transcription factor T-Bet, which is required for their uh, d- uh, differentiation. The other cell type that they identified uh, secreted interleukin-4 and interleukin-5, and later it was shown that they also make IL-13. And these are critical for controlling infection with helminths, or parasitic worms. Uh, and uh, on the other hand, these cells are also very important in allergy and in asthma, uh, and uh, need to be controlled. Uh the TH1 cells were initially thought to be the T cells involved in autoimmune disease, uh, but about a decade ago, a third type of uh, uh differentiated T cell was described called the TH17 cell. And these cells are so cold because they make the cytokines interleukin-17A and interleukin-17F, they also make interleukin-22. Uh, and it was found that these are actually the cells that are most often Im- uh, involved in autoimmune inflammation. Uh, and uh, uh, these are cells that are normally needed to kill extracellular bacteria and fungi at mucosal surfaces. Uh, They're very important for repairing damage uh, to mucosal tissues. And in a number of different models for autoimmunity, uh, they have been found to be the critical cells. But more important, they've been found to be critical cells in autoimmunity and in human. Um, I'm going to tell you uh, a lot about these. First of all, just as a way of background, the IL-17 cytokines are very important for inducing uh, chemoattractant cytokines, chemokines that attract neutrophils, uh, to the side of the secretion. Uh, they're also involved uh, in tissue remodeling. IL-17 uh, induces uh, uh, matrix metalloproteases, as well as uh, 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 VEGF, uh, which leads to uh, 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 angiogenesis uh, in a variety of tissues. Interleukin-22, on the other hand, is more of a uh, cytokine that leads to proliferation of epithelial cells and protects the barriers uh, from... Uh, from damage. Uh, there's another force cell type that I want to describe here, and I mentioned it briefly already. That is the induced regulatory T cell, which, like the one that's made in the thymus, also expresses FOXP3. But in the periphery, these are cells that uh, are induced by combinations of cytokines, particularly TGF-beta and retinoic acid, uh, as well as interleukin-2. And you'll note that the Th17 cells can also rely on TGF-beta for their differentiation. Uh, and I'm going to concentrate on telling you a little bit about the requirements for the differentiation of these cells into... in these different directions. Uh, when a T-lymphocyte is activated, it requires two signals uh, through... Uh, uh, in order to, uh, to proliferate and produce uh, uh, their cytokines. One of the signals, of course, comes from... Uh, the signaling pathway linked to the T cell antigen receptor, which interacts with MHC and uh, uh, either class 1 or class 2, MHC and peptide. Uh, but the second signal is mediated through CD28, uh, which is called a co stimulatory molecule. It interacts with ligands on antigen presenting cells, on uh, specialized antigen presenting cells, particularly dendritic cells. Uh, and only when these two signals are integrated will the cell now become activated and proliferate. But a third signal is needed for the differentiation, and that is a signal provided by cytokines that are made also by these antigen-presenting cells most of the time. Uh, and uh, these cytokines signal through a variety of different uh, uh, receptor subsets uh, in order to uh, to provide the cell with the, um, you know, with the uh, function that it's going to adopt. Uh, an example of this is shown here... Uh, in which uh, I showed the critical cytokines involved in the differentiation of Th1 cells and of Th17 cells. Um, and this, these are the cytokines interleukin-12 and interleukin-23. IL-12 and IL-23 share a subunit, the P40 subunit shown here, and they also share a receptor, the IL-12 receptor beta-1, you can see is present uh, as a receptor for both cytokines. But then they also have unique... Uh, subunits, P35 for IL-12 and P19 for interleukin-23, as well as unique uh, receptor uh, 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 polypeptides, uh, which uh, linked them up to the signaling pathways downstream. Much of the early confusion about Th1 cells was uh, because of the shared components uh, of P40 and the IL-12 receptor beta-1, uh, and some of the functions uh, for IL-23 were ascribed to uh, to IL-12 at the time. But there's been a lot more clarity in the last few years uh, with the discovery of IL-23. And what we now know is that these receptors both signal through the JAK-STAT pathway of signaling... Uh, uh, of signaling molecules. Uh, the JAKs are cytoplasmic tyrosine kinases that are engaged by the different receptors. And uh, they transphosphorylate to become activated and then phosphorylate different types of STAT proteins which are transcription factors which, when they are tyrosine-phosphorylated, form dimers that then translocate to the nucleus and activate a variety of sets of genes. In the case of IL-12, it activates uh, the STAT-4 uh, transcription factor. In the case of IL-23, uh, it activates a STAT-3 transcription factor. And many of the other cytokines that I'll tell you about, such as interleukin-6, also activate STAT-3. But each of these receptors that utilizes STAT-3 also has distinct... Uh, uh, signaling components uh, to target uh, particular genes. Uh, STAT4 can also, under some circumstances, be activated by IL-23. And that is when IL-23 is engaged uh, in pathogenic processes in vivo. And I'll tell you a little bit about uh, the uh, IL-23 uh, function uh, in the next... Uh, in the next few slides. The key experiment that introduced the concept of Th17 cells and showed the importance of interleukin-23... Uh, was from the laboratory of Dan Kua at Denex in 2003. Uh, What they did was to uh, use a model that's widely uh, used uh, uh, for multiple sclerosis called experimental autoimmune encephalomyelitis. And this is a model that I'll be talking about uh, throughout uh, my presentation, because it's often used because it's fairly rapid and it's uh, fairly robust. In this kind of a model... Uh, a myelin protein is injected into mice, along with adjuvant, and typically, within about two weeks, the animals begin to develop paralysis. And as you can see over here, uh, in wild-type mice, the paralysis develops as expected. And in mice that are deficient for P40, which, as you recall, uh, is absent in... Uh, uh, in uh, uh, leads to an absence of both interleukin-12 and interleukin-23, you can see these animals are protected. Uh But the surprise at the time was that mice lacking just IL-12 that were deficient for P35 not only developed disease, but they actually had even more severe disease than the wild type, whereas mice deficient for P19, that what was then the newly discovered uh, uh, component of interleukin-23, were completely protected. Uh, So, that then led to the important concept of the target of P19 as being uh, the Th17 cell. And uh, these cells are critical for barrier defenses against a variety of different bacteria and fungi, uh, in fungi including Candida albicans. Uh, but the flip side of this is that uh, these cells can also be highly pathogenic through the production of their uh, uh, variety of cytokines. And uh, under inflammatory conditions, they can now produce not only uh, IL-17 and IL-22, but they can also make uh, interferon gamma. Uh, and these cells have been validated to be very important in many human diseases, particularly psoriasis, uh, in psoriasis, antibodies against interleukin-17A are very effective in therapy. Uh, also, a variety of different arthritides, psoriatic arthritis and ankylosing spondylitis in particular, can be treated by blockade of interleukin-17 and interleukin-23. Uh, and then there are al- also some other... Uh, 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 There are some other suggestions that multiple sclerosis, uh, as well as a variety of inflammatory bowel diseases, uh, are uh, Th17-mediated diseases. For IBD, in particular, uh, it is known that polymorphisms in the Th17 uh, signaling pathway uh, can contribute uh, to the disease, again, adding further argument uh, of for a role for these kinds of cells uh, in the disease. Um, There's also some evidence from animal models that uh, Th17 cells in the mother can influence the development of the fetal brain if they are expressed in very high levels and can cross the placenta. This is only uh, an animal model that has been looked at, uh, but uh, I will discuss uh, this uh, in the second part of, the, of my presentation. At the center of the Th17 differentiation process... Is the transcription factor ROR gamma T. Uh, and ror gamma T is encoded by this locus, RORC, uh in which two different isoforms can be uh, ex- uh can be transcribed depending on the promoter that's used. And a longer uh form is uh ex- is expressed quite broadly and it's expressed in a circadian manner. Uh but the shorter form uh is uh, ROR gamma t is expressed exclusively in lymphoid lineage cells. Uh, and uh uh, these include the cells that uh, uh, develop uh, in the thymus, the double-positive thymocytes that uh, require RY gamma-T for their survival, uh, as well as uh, lymph nodes and Peyer's patches, secondary lymphoid organs that develop in the fetus and that require the lymphoid tissue inducer cells Uh, that are dependent uh, on ROR-gamma-T. In this slide, I show a crystal structure of ROR-gamma-T of the ligand-binding domain, uh, which regulates uh, uh, its function. So, this is a nuclear receptor, very similar to estrogen receptor and glucocorticoid receptor, uh, and it is thought that it's regulated by ligand. But the precise ligand has yet to be defined. Uh, What we know is that uh, uh, molecules in the cholesterol-biosynthetic pathway uh, are uh, very effective, at uh, regulating uh, ROR-gamma-T function, uh, but we don't yet have uh, strong genetic data uh, to to tell us which of these uh, uh, intermediates are important uh, in vivo, and in particular in the differentiation of the different cell types, whether there may be different ligands uh, that are involved. Now, in... Uh, beyond uh, the function and development, uh, the uh, transcription factor, of course, is required for Th17 cell differentiation. Uh, it's also plays... A, playing a role in the uh, differentiation of the in, uh, induced regulatory T cells found in the intestine, uh, in particular, in response to uh, microbiota. And uh, I'll talk more about that in the second part of uh, my presentation. Uh, Also, there are gamma-delta T cells that are specialized to make IL-17, and that's also dependent on ROR gamma-T. And then there are the innate lymphoid cells, uh, and these include the lymphoid tissue inducer cells, both those that are involved early in the fetus in lymphoid development, uh, but also... Uh, those that uh, uh appear uh, that uh, develop uh, postnatally uh and that uh, are involved in some of the uh tertiary lymphoid tissues uh i'll talk a bit more about the type 3 innate lymphoid cells uh, a little bit later but i want to come back to the th17 cells uh and uh this experiment that we did uh, a bit more than a decade ago uh, showed the importance of ROR gamma T uh, in uh, the EAE model. So you can see here that animals deficient for, uh, for expression of ROR gamma and ROR gamma T are highly um, protected uh, from EAE. Uh, and you can see that they have very few uh, IL 17 producing cells shown by the fax analysis over here. Uh, and these are cells uh, in the central nervous system. On the other hand, In the wild-type mice, you see not only that there are IL-17-producing cells, but also cells that make both interferon-gamma and interleukin-17. And it turns out these are very important cells because they are those cells that are found in pathological situations uh, in which uh, uh, there is uh, tissue destruction and autoimmunity. I will discuss two pieces of evidence that suggest a critical role for interleukin-23 in the generation of these cells that produce both interferon-gamma and uh, interleukin-17. Uh, one of the experiments is from an in vitro model for EAE, in which it is possible to differentiate cells into Th17 in vitro. And if these cells are specific for a myelin protein, uh, then they can be injected into mice, and uh, within two weeks the animals get EAE. Uh, so, people typically use uh, transgenic mice... Uh, in which the transgene uh, for the T-cell receptor uh, is for a T-cell receptor that uh, recognizes uh, a myelin protein. And uh, uh, typically, uh, most people use in vitro interleukin-6 and TGF-beta to differentiate cells uh, into uh, Th17 cells that make interleukin-17 and interleukin-22. But it turned out that under these conditions, uh, these cells did not induce EAE. On the other hand, when interleukin-23 was included, it was possible now to get EAE. And it was even possible to do so in the absence of TGF-beta, just by including interleukin-1-beta instead of TGF-beta. In that case, again, uh, EAE could be induced. And so, the interleukin-23 molecule is critical in this process... And uh, uh, this is a very elegant experiment that was done by uh, Birgitta Stockinger's laboratory in England, uh, in which they showed the importance of IL-23 in the generation of these Th17 cells that make interferon gamma. What she did was a fate mapping experiment in which the yellow fluorescent protein uh, is knocked into a ubiquitous locus, but is only expressed when a transcriptional stop signal is excised by the action of Cree recombinase. So, she bred these mice to to animals in which the Cree recombinase was knocked into the uh, IL-17A locus. So, only those cells that make IL-17A will have the capacity to then express YFP. So, upon expression of Cree, uh, the stop signal is excised. YFP is expressed for the life of that cell, even after the cell stops making interleukin-17. So, what uh, uh, the group then did was to gate on just those YFP-positive CD4 cells uh, in the model of EAE, uh, looking now what happens. And, of course, in the absence of interleukin-23, there is no EAE, but they were able to now look at these YFP-positive cells and see what their phenotype was. And you can see here, in wild-type mice, many of these cells now express interferon gamma uh, or a combination of interferon gamma and interleukin-17A. But these cells are absent in the uh, absence of uh, interleukin-23. So, uh, that really uh, uh, provided uh, the uh, critical piece of evidence that these double-producing cells uh, are important in the pathogenesis in this model. But there's evidence that it's important in pathogenesis in other models as well. Uh, so, then, what is the role of TGF-beta? Because, as I showed you from the in vitro experiment, it seemed like TGF-beta was not necessarily needed uh, to be able to induce EAE. Uh, but on the other hand, if... Uh, uh, if when people looked in, um, in uh, animals in which the TGF-beta receptor was ablated, they saw that there was no EAE uh, compared to the wild-type mice here. So, how could one explain this? Well, uh, a recent paper uh, f- uh, by Zhang et al. has begun to shed some light on what TGF-beta is doing during differentiation of uh, Th17 cells. And th- uh, typically, when interleukin-6 signals by itself through phosphostat-3, there is no expression of ROR-gamma-T and no IL-17 that is made. Uh, but that appears to be because the... Uh, one of the targets of the TGF-beta signaling pathway, SMAT4, recruits a corepressor complex uh, that includes uh, the ski molecule, which itself brings in the histone... histone deacetylases. And the histone deacetylases basically shut down uh, chromatin uh, at the ROR-gamma-T locus. But when uh, TGF-beta is applied... Uh, that now leads to a uh, degradation of uh, SKI, of Ski, uh, and uh, basically the relief of the histone deacetylase function and activation of transcription of ROR-gamma-T. Uh, and now, uh, uh, interleukin-17 and other cytokines uh, can be produced. We don't really know yet whether some of the other targets of the TGF-beta signaling pathway, like phosphorylation of SMAT2 and 3, have some positive effects here. Uh, But what's clear is that the TGF-beta relieves this negative function. And indeed, uh, what you can see here in this uh, very nice experiment, if uh, in the TGF-beta receptor knockout mouse... Uh, one introduces also a mutation, uh, a deletion of the SMAT4 locus, now uh, EAE can be restored because TH17 cells uh, can now differentiate uh, in the absence of TGF beta. So it appears then that in, at least in vivo, TGF beta is also important uh, in autoimmunity, uh, although uh, in uh even though it doesn't appear to uh to be necessary in uh, uh in the in vitro models. So uh, what I've just shown you uh, suggests, then, that there are two different types of Th17 cells, those that uh, can differentiate uh, in the absence of interleukin-23 and that can make interleukin-17A and F and IL-22. And these we can call homeostatic or non-pathogenic Th17 cells. They typically are induced by microbiota, Uh, and uh, they're found at barrier surfaces. On the other hand, in various cases of inflammation, which can be found in different types of tissues, uh, interleukin-23, along with IL-1 beta, but at least in some cases, probably aided by TGF-beta, lead to the differentiation of these cells that can make not only the Th17 cytokines, but also Th1-like cytokine-like interferon gamma, and that can contribute now to disease. Um, And uh, these... kinds of pathogenic Th17 cells have also called... uh, been called Th1 star cells in human. Uh, And I'll summarize for you what we currently know about these Th17 cells, uh, be they non-pathogenic or pathogenic. So, the homeostatic cells uh, are typically induced by the commensal microbiota and protect the mucosal barriers. And they produce not only IL-17A and F and IL-22, but also interleukin-10, which is an anti-inflammatory cytokine. But the pathogenic Th17 cells uh, are induced by selected microbial pathogens, uh, or what we call pathobionts, which can uh, live in our bodies uh, under normal circumstances without causing disease, uh, but then can be stimulated to cause disease in some circumstances. They participate in the autoimmune diseases dependent on interleukin-23. And in addition to the Th17 cytokines, they make these other cytokines, particularly interferon gamma. And the human equivalent was described by Federica Salusto. Uh, and these are cells in the circulation that produce interferon gamma, but they also express target genes for both TH1 and TH17 uh, uh, transcription factors, such as CXCR3 and CCR6, which are chemokine receptors that are targets of TBET and uh, ROR gamma T, respectively, the TH1 and TH17 uh, 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 specifying transcription factors. So, there are many mutations that have been now described in humans uh, that uh, give us some clues about the Th17 pathways. There are individuals who have chronic cutaneous uh, uh, candidiasis, and... Uh, uh, oftentimes, uh, there are uh, mutations in interleukin-17, 17, interleukin-17 17 receptor, uh, as well as the signaling components that have been identified. Uh, and then uh, there are a few patients that have been described who have disseminated mycobacterial infections uh, after immunization with BCG, which is used as a vaccine for tuberculosis. And it was found that... Uh, ROR gamma T mutations uh, can account for this, in which there is loss of both the TH1 star cells and TH17 cells, even though there's no effect uh, on TH1 cells uh, that can serve an antiviral function. Uh, And some of these uh, mutations are depicted here in this slide. the STAT3 uh, mutations, both uh, gain-of-function and loss-of-function, have been described. And also, a gain-of-function mutation in STAT1, which uh, blocks the differentiation of Th17 cells while promoting Th1 cell uh, differentiation, uh, those kinds of mutations can also account uh, for uh, some of the cases of uh, candidiasis. Uh, Mutations in IL-17... IL-17F have been described, as well in the IL-17 receptor A uh, and an adapter molecule, ACT-1. And uh, polymorphisms in the IL-23 receptor are some of the most commonly associated polymorphisms in inflammatory bowel disease, uh, again, uh, uh, providing evidence of the importance of this pathway uh, in autoimmune diseases. There are many different therapeutics uh, that are currently being brought to the market to target this pathway. Uh, There are therapeutics that target uh, IL-12, IL-23, that is P40, uh, or uh, just IL-23 alone, uh, P19. And these are very effective in psoriasis and some forms of arthritis. Uh, Then there are antibodies that target interleukin-17 alone, or a combination of IL-17A and IL-17F. And again, these have been very effective for psoriasis. Uh, And uh, finally, there are antibodies that target IL-17 receptor A. Now, these are a little bit more complicated because IL-17 RA is shared uh, by the IL-17A and F cytokines with other cytokines, IL-17E, which is also called IL-25, which is uh, made by... Uh, not only by type 2... Uh, which uh, acts on uh, type 2 innate lymphoid cells that I'll tell you about. And also, IL-17C uh, acts on the IL-17RE receptor, which is found primarily on epithelial cells. So, one needs uh, a word of caution here that uh, we don't yet know uh, that much about the biology of some of these other uh, cytokines and receptors. And uh, this particular molecule targets all of these. ROR-gamma-T is also being targeted uh, for therapeutic purposes for the obvious reason that it's upstream of these different cytokines, uh, but that has not yet uh, been tested clinically. Um, so, ROR-gamma-T, when it is targeted, is going to affect not only the Th17 pathway, but also innate lymphoid cells. And I'm going to tell you just a little bit about these innate lymphoid cells that have been described only during the past decade. And we believe that these may have been early evolutionary precursors of the differentiated types of T helper cells. Uh, so, you can see here that there are innate lymphoid cells, ILC1, 2, and 3, that mirror, in their transcription factors, those transcription factors found on the Th1, Th2, and Th17 cells. In addition, uh, there are innate lymphoid cells that make both ROR gamma-T and T-bet. Uh and uh these are cells that have an NK natural killer cell uh surface marker, NKP46. And these seem to resemble very closely the pathogenic TH17 cells, the uh the uh, uh TH1 star cells uh that I was mentioning. And these cells uh also express cytokines that are very similar uh to those expressed by the uh by the T helper cells. Uh and uh I won't dwell on this, uh, but uh, uh keep in mind that uh Uh, the T-helper cells and the innate lymphoid cells can share uh, many different functions. Uh, I'll show you one example here for type 2 innate lymphoid cells, uh, in which uh, these are cells that uh, have a very important function in protection from parasitic worms or helminth. And what was found was that a very highly specialized cell in the intestinal uh, epithelia, the Tuft cell, responds to some product of... uh, uh, helminth, and also of protozoa, uh, by producing interleukin-25, or IL-17E. Uh, and uh, that acts on receptor on type 2 innate lymphoid cells. And these cells will now make interleukin-13, which acts back on the intestinal stem cells, leading to production of more tough cells, as well as goblet cells, secretory goblet cells, which are uh, uh, very important uh, for uh, uh, ex- expulsion of the... Uh, of the parasites. Uh, in addition... Uh, The type 2 and 8 lymphoid cells has another receptor that's selectively expressed on these cells. It's a receptor for a neuropeptide, neuromedin U. uh, And that also is important uh, in this type of regulation. An example of the expansion of these tough cells is shown here from a work in uh, Richard Loxley's lab, in which they infected mice with a parasite, Nipostrangulus brasiliensis. They generated mice in which the red fluorescent protein was knocked into the IL-25 locus. And you can see here, red fluorescence. Uh, in rare tough cells uh, present here in uninfected mice, but a great expansion of the number of cells uh, making RFP uh, following infection. And this can also be shown by using a tough cell-specific marker showing expansion over here. But this expansion of tough cells is probably not only dependent on their making uh, IL-25, uh, but there is also an effect on the type 2 innate lymphoid cells uh, by neurons in the intestine, by the enteric nervous system. The enteric nervous system consists of many different cell types that are distributed... Uh, throughout different plexi in the layers of the intestine, and they can communicate locally as well as uh, extrinsically with the uh, central nervous system through the vagus nerve. Uh, you can see here, uh, with a uh, pan neuronal uh, marker, uh, that these neurons can extend into the villi, uh, in the small intestine. Uh, and it was found that, uh, that there's a class of neurons that respond to helminthic infection through detection of uh, of patterns uh from these uh uh from these uh, organisms uh through the innate immune responses and they then produce uh the uh the uh, neuropeptide neuromedin u these are cholinergic neurons that also make acetylcholine but neuromedin u acts on this receptor on type 2 and 8 lymphoid cells, leading to production of interleukin-13. And again, interleukin-13 leads to expansion of goblet cells and tough cells. And that leads now to uh, more rapid expulsion uh, of the parasitic worms, um, and... uh, which are found in both the uh, intestine and also in the lung. There's another example uh, in uh, type 3 innate lymphoid cells from work that Jimmy Talbot in our laboratory has been doing. And what he noted was that uh, neurons in the small intestine, here stained in red, um, are uh, in very intimate contact with uh, type 3 innate lymphoid cells found within structures called cryptopatches. These are sentinel posts just uh, uh, beneath the uh, mucosal layer, beneath the epithelium in the intestine, and these respond to uh, to commensal microorganisms. And you can see that uh, there are c- very close contacts made by neurons and these type 3 innate lymphoid cells, which are marked here with a knock-in of a green fluorescent protein at the ROR gamma-T locus. And uh, what we now... Uh, can appreciate is that these cells are specialized for making the neuropeptide, uh, vasoactive intestinal peptide, VIP. Uh, and, uh, uh what VIP does, uh, is to act on receptors that are selectively expressed on type 3 innate lymphoid cells, inhibiting their production of cytokines, particularly of interleukin 22. Uh, so that, uh, we think that these are neurons that respond in a way, uh, to maintain homeostasis and prevent Uh, too much activation of this pathway, which can lead to hyperproliferation of the epithelium and potentially can lead to damaging uh, uh, consequences. So, what I hope that I've shown you here is that uh, the homeostasis at the mucosal barrier involves not only a couple of lymphoid cells, but also epithelial cells, uh, various types of myeloid cells that make a variety of different cytokines, uh, as well as enteric neurons, whose uh, relationship... To each of these different cell types is only now beginning to be elucidated. Uh, So, we are now uh, in a very exciting period in which the various relationships between the different cell cell types can begin to be explored in uh, much greater detail. Uh, So, I will stop there and acknowledge those in uh, our laboratory who contributed to what I showed you here. Uh, Teruyuki Sano uh, did much of the work on the Th17 cell induction uh, in the uh, the intestine. Jimmy Talbot worked on... uh, uh, the, on the uh, uh, VIP positive neurons in the gut. And Ivo Ivanov, who is now at Columbia University, uh, did the very important work early on showing the relationship between ROR-gamma-T and Th17 cells.